The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. As you can probably guess, listener discretion is advised. We use a lot of dirty language on this program. Like? No, no, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> All right, on today's show, we talk to David Benioff and Dan Weiss, the creators of Game of Thrones. Uh, women's Bantamweight champion Misha Tate calls ah. in. We talked about how great our dicks look in our MeUndies, and we yeah. also talked yeah. about uh, Matt Hughes and Matt Sarah addresses the uh, pseudo-challenge, would you say? Sumo challenge? That's fucked up. Pseudo. Oh, pseudo. I'm sorry. God damn it, Matt. He may finish it here. He's, He's out. out. He's out. out. It is all over. He got rocked. UFC and digital media present UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt Serra. I never know how long to let the music play. I know. I always wait a second or two. And then I don't know who's going to talk first. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Good to see you, Jimmy. You too, buddy. Welcome to the uh, podcast, everybody. I hope you're uh, having a lovely post-holiday day. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, We're taping this one later than normal. It's a little weird, but uh, I I think we're going to get off to a nice fucking start. Right away, the first thing I say in a a fuck pops out, I told you, I'm trying to do better than that. That's fine. You can write it down for yourself and look at it. It just comes out. I've had to write down, stop saying um. I say um sometimes. Yeah? Yeah, I sound stupid. It's non um. What am I thinking of? Nothing important comes out. Yeah. I think fuck is worse because it's just, it's not, it's not proper. Yeah. But what was I going to say? How was your, how was your fourth? Uneventful. Were you, were you in town? No, I'm not a fan of the fourth. I like what it symbolizes, but yeah. I don't, uh, fireworks to me, it's just, oh, oh, bunch of people <laughs> making stupid noises, watching explosions. I, I don't, I never watched the fourth. Last yeah. night I wound up going out to dinner with a lady friend. Oh, really? Uh, yes. N- n- I say in air quotes. And, um, yeah. we wound up going to, uh, have a nice dinner. And uh, my apartment, my new apartment, you can kind of see the fireworks from. Oh, that's that's romantic. Nah, it didn't. Is this, feel... a, this is a new a new girlfriend. She's a not. New, she's a new, not a new lady friend. friend. She's somebody I've known for a long time. We went to dinner, and then she, uh, she didn't care about the fireworks. But this is the first time I ever kind of wanted to see them. Yeah. So I just wanted to see if I could see them from my place. So we went back to my apartment and just watched them for a little while. Really dull. <laughs> shitty Fourth of July. I don't get Why? the. I don't get how people line up on the FDR Drive and just stand there. Oh no, no, and have to walk back. You see, it was better. We it was better this year in the sense that um, we went to my uh, my wife's uncle's house, Uncle Tony, and they did you know a bunch of just Italians coming out of the woodwork and and just eating. Know what the problem is? They, and we did this on the third, by the way. Did I say that? 
Yeah. I did it on the third instead of the fourth. And so that was good, where the fourth was real mellow. I had my buddy Pedrago Cell, former UFC veteran. He was over. He came over with his wife and kid on the fourth. And it was mellow with my kids. We're in the pool. We're doing some barbecue. But on the third is when we really kind of partied. <laughs> and I was doing so well. I... I started off with, uh, you know, my my my, uh, my father-in-law, Ciro, he was on the on the grill, and I go, you know what, well, just give me two burgers, no bread. No, I'm doing, I'm trying to do the right mm-hmm. thing with the bread, you know? I know we're going to Vegas well, t- t- tomorrow, I'm, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so excited about that. But, uh, you know, I wanna, I wanna, I'm trying to do the right thing. So I started off strong, and then this is the problem. They they make their own, I start off with the, with the two burgers, but they, my in-laws, they make uh, their own dough, right? And then they get the dough and they harden it on on the barbecue. And then they make this. I got a picture. I'm going to show you later. I'm going to tweet it later too. They make the pizza on the barbecue. And it's the most delicious thing you ever. It sounds very simple. It's just the most delicious pizza. So what I did was I tried to. It was like out of a movie, like out of Fatso or something. Yeah. Did you ever see Fatso with I Dom Belo? That shows our age right there, but it's a classic. No, it shows I, our age, by the way, is you saying, <laughs> I got a picture of the pizza and I'm going to show it to you later. And me actually being happy to hear that. <laughs> that shows our age. I cut off. What I did was, Jimmy, I cut off a little slither, man. Just on my tongue, like a little slither. I'm like, oh, let me just, just so I can get the, you know, the, the, you know, the craving out of the way. So I took a little bite. I took another little sliver, dude. I eat, a, I eat like a fucking must have fucking ate a pie. Yeah, it's hard not oh, to, dude, man. Come start on, start shoving it in your face. Oh, it was it was a disgrace. Oh man, but uh, at so least that, you have a family. Yeah. At least you're with people. I was alone <laughs> through most of this weekend. It was it, oh man, shots of grappa. You ever do grappa? I don't know what grappa is. It, it's the homemade. It, it, they take the wine, right, and they they make the homemade wine, and they also the, the grappa. I mean, how would you explain grappa, Chris? Chris, do you know anything, Chris producer? It's really potent. Homemade liquor, though. Homemade <laughs> it's liquor almost is like moonshine. It's, uh, they, and it's, it's delicious. It helps you digest. And I never get how, how does it help you digest? It makes you well, vomit? Well, you do shots of it. And, oh, and, right. uh, and it, it, it a little, you know, they sip it, but I throw it back like I'm at freaking Bridgeview back in the day. I throw it back like I'm at the club. What's up? Uh, it's grape-based brandy that's like 60% mm. alcohol. It's great, man. It's so good. And it, there's no preservative because they make it themselves, so I never get hungover. Anyway, this is my story of being a slob over the weekend. But I did do some damage control. I I've been I've been working out working out a lot, man. The day of, I I did a, I had a good training session and uh I had another good one this morning. I met one of my black belts before I got over here and I strangled him and uh had a good time with that. So I, I'm, I just I'm feeling went, okay. I just went on the way here. I stopped at the gym and I was doing these stupid... First of all, can Equinox stop making the fucking floors slippery? They put all these new <laughs> floors in and it looks good, but it's slippery. You know, it's like the, these new fancy things are doing. It's hard to like to get your grip. So I'm on my back and I'm doing this thing with a ball where you like, you know, where I got my, my trainers on vacation. So I was doing it by myself. Put your feet in the ball, you push it out, you pull it out, whatever. And my, it's all slipping because the floor is slippery. <sighs> and I'm looking into this girl's crotch yeah and i got busted looking into her crotch she didn't say anything but she looked up and she looked in the mirror and caught me like on my back kind of staring to the left and there's nothing there's no way to explain it very nothing was said it's just really embarrassing there's always that that, (laughs) 
There's always that awkward moment when you make the eye contact. Did you ever go? <laughs> did you ever go to look in a stall to see if somebody's in there, and you just you meet eyes with the person in that in between the crack, and they're sitting there, and you make eye contact. You're like, oh, yeah. I have to run out of the bathroom. Yeah, it's the speak. worst. When I'm going, when I, especially when I put my mouth up the guest side. I go, psst, psst, <laughs> what are you doing in there? <laughs> what are you doing in there, sir? <laughs> I was I was one time in one of those adult book uh, places years. This I was in my home from a gig in New Jersey. Yeah, and uh, you know I I wasn't a little naive as to what went on there. I knew it, but I figured hey, if I don't bother anybody, they won't bother me. And I'll never forget there was a hole in the bottom of the thing, and this finger came through, and the guy was like. Psst. And he was like crooking his finger at me. This was where? In Jersey in some of those peep shows. This is back in the like early 90s because they don't exist anymore. But I was coming home from a gig. You know, I was all eager. You know, little Jimmy Norton driving home in my fucking, my, my dad's Ford Taurus. <laughs> and what was it? Was it a glory, a glory hole? Yeah, but it was lower than you would think a glory hole would be. I guess it was like a homemade <laughs> one. I don't know how it worked, but it was like, it wasn't where you would think it would be. No. It was like low to the floor and a guy's finger came through and went, Psst. I was like, Ugh. How desperate do you got to be to use it? <laughs> First of all, that's, that's something nightmares are made of. Uh, you know, how desperate do you got to be to use a glory hole? Well, I, we, I, I can actually legitimately answer that question. <laughs> no, seriously? Have you? No, you, yeah, no, you no have what's scary about that? It scares you me that going to kick you. Well, that, kick you? What if somebody part. had a samurai sword or something? I don't know what's on the other side of that. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> what kind of demented mind do I have? You, but you, I mean, seriously, you don't know where that's going. <laughs> what are we talking about? Isn't it a little early for this? No, well, look, it's, just, it's, it's where the chat's going. All so, right. okay, I did do something over the weekend by myself. I, I do a lot of stuff by myself. I'm a fairly lonely person. Um, yeah, because I'm single. Yeah. So, so if I'm not going on a date, I'm, do, I'm just hanging out by myself. It's really creepy in my life. So I wound up going to a movie on, uh, it might have been Sunday night or whatever. Okay. I wanted to do something. I'm like, I can't be alone and just go home and look at my computer screen because bad things happen when I do that. Yeah. Um, and I wound up just duck walking to my room with a sore back. I'm like, I got to do something <laughs> fun and human. So I wanted see, to see, I'm a horror film fan. Oh, are you? Okay. So I decided to go to The Conjuring 2. Sure. Yeah. And are you a horror movie fan? Did you, you see know the what? first one? I did First not. one was fucking scary. Really? Yes. Because I can't deal with the bad ones. Like if it's a good, I like... More witty ones like like the the others or you know Sixth Sense. I mean whatever, but like you know what I mean, like stuff that makes you think a little. I don't get the boo and the I don't like the gross stuff. Does that make sense? Is yeah, this the, gross? yes. This wasn't all gore. <laughs> this was supposedly based on a true story. The first oh. one was based on a true story. Then again, so was the Amityville Horror, and then you hear that was a lot of shit. Man. You know that the Lutz family was you know whatever. It's ghosts, no ghosts. Yeah. So this one takes is about haunting in England, and I went by myself to watch, and it was yeah. pretty creepy. It was pretty fucking creepy, and I'm sitting there in the aisle seat by myself, and I literally kept looking behind. It was like one of those where I'm like, yeah. I'm, it was, I was in a movie theater, but I was very frightened. But the reason I'm mentioning <laughs> this movie is because this is why all I was thinking the whole time watching this is I would love to be Dan Henderson right now. Because there was a, a, a couple, two couples that came in late, and they sat across, on the other side of the theater from me. You know, this loud, they were out reveling. And um, the guy's... On his fucking phone, texting the whole movie. Mm. What is wrong with people? How fucking stupid are you nah, man. that you think that's appropriate behavior in a movie? Like, how? What narcissism? It's so bright. Like, it, it could be, and they might even if they're not like holding it up. It it, it does distract you because no, I was thinking this the other day when I was with my wife and we saw actually the when I uh, the the rocks movie the the central intelligence. There was a little there was a girl uh, above us uh, in front of us. On the, on it, and then she shut it off right after the previews. But that's even, fine. Even the preview, yeah. But even the previews, I don't want to see that shit. Yeah. At least lower the light on your screen. How about that? 
I mean, why don't you lower that thing so it doesn't bright up and uh, be so bright? You know, I, I can't. I, I don't. I can't. This stand fucking it. asshole. The whole movie off to. And again, all I had to do is move my head back a little, and it didn't bother me because of where he was. Mm. But the the narcissism around. If you're That's a person. True. If you're a person and you're listening to this podcast and you've done that or you do that frequently, I hope you get your arm caught in a fucking lawnmower. <laughs> I hope you get your phone hand caught in a lawnmower. It's not right. It's it's rude. It's obnoxious. It's and, even uh, it's such narcissism. It's such self centeredness. Yeah. And I all, I literally the whole thing. I'm thinking this is why. Like you know, God gives us all different abilities. If you believe in whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean. I happen to be a funny or I, I I'm not a good fighter. I'm not a tough guy. I kept thinking of Dan Henderson and how would a guy like that, and I, I no. thought of you as well, how nice would it be to just say to that guy, could you please, and this way, if there's a confrontation, at least you can, you know, you can fucking knock him unconscious if you have to. It's it's funny with that, man. Would you have said something to the guy? Oh, there's, there's, been, there's been more than one in time that I went, because I'm a movie person. I love yeah. movies. And uh, <laughs> there's been more than one time in the movies that I, I I I just I have a hard time dealing with any kind of any kind of shit like that. Like there was a time in Florida, I was with my wife at Disney. We went to go see the Hulk, and this was the Hulk with uh, Edward Norton. Right. I, don't know, I never I don't saw know. that one, but I know it was fun. It was good. I mean, at the end, it was a little bit like a video game, too much with the CGI with the bad guy, but right. whatever. It was it was still fun. But I was into it, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm a Marvel geek. I'm, I'm a, I grew up on comic books. So I love that kind of stuff. So it was with my wife. It was how many years ago? We're in that movie theater. And it was like a pack of kids anywhere from ages 10 to like 15 going in and out of that theater, just running in, just being just obnoxious. Just And everybody in there is afraid to, to say anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at one point, I just I'm just like, yo. I go. I just, I just said so. Like, listen, hey, you know, do you mind? Can you, you know, keep it down. <laughs> so the little girl goes. The oh, I'm gonna go get my brother. So she runs out. She now listen. This is a no win situation. Like, I, all I thought about in my head was, uh, you know, a former UFC champion knocks out 15 year old. What am I gonna do? See, I'm just the opposite. Yeah. I think mediocre comedian knocked out by 15 year old. You thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you'd be in a Cat Williams situation where he got attacked by that kid. I don't know if you ever saw. Oh him. yeah, yeah, the video. Yeah, shoot, man. Okay, so, so she's gonna get her brother, but you weren't even mean to her. You just said to her, nah, "Hey, I, I, I was loud because it was ridiculous, man." And they were just obnoxious kids. I don't know where the parents were. So then the kid, wait, who said that to my sister? So they all start coming in. Wait, the guy came back in. Oh yeah, yeah, he came. And then this guy right next to this guy with his, I guess with his family stuff. He's like, Hey, you want to show, I'll keep it down. I go, Hey dude, why don't you shut up? All right. Because now you're speaking of you. I'm being, I'm being loud. I'm the only guy who has balls to say anything. Wait, he said to you to be well, like, he was like, can you guys keep it down or something like that? Cause I started, cause these kids started coming over to me and my wife. So I told my wife, look, if something happens, just go, I don't, I don't want to worry about my wife. Sure. Like, if something happens, but she's, you know, a fiery Italian. She's like, I'm not going out, you know, I'm not going anywhere. You know, she's, so I got to watch out for her. I'm afraid I'm going to have to smack a kid. I, I, what am I supposed to do? Right. That's a different, it's yeah. A diff, that's so my situation. Happened? He's like, who said that? No, no. So I walked out with her of the thing and they were kind of following us out. And then they kind of just, they just, they just took off. We got our money back. So, so you said something to the kid? Oh yeah. I got loud. I got loud, but I mean, like, listen, like, like, you know, I just let them know. Hey, don't come in my face, you little punk. I'm not, listen, at the end of the day, I'm not going to get, 
I'm not going to get touched by anybody. Yeah. I don't care if you're you're 16 and 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 I mean these these were big kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm a 40 year old man, so at the time I was in my late 30s. Who it said that to my sister? What a dick. Nah, but what a they dude, dick. They weren't. They, I hate they, people. They were they were a bunch of just. They definitely had some issues. These kids. I mean, I don't know where were their parents. They were all over. But it was like a pack of them, you know. So it was funny, man. So it was me and my wife, like. uh I don't know, anywhere from 8 to 10 to 12 kids following us out. When I mean kids, I mean like young teenagers. But yeah. but still, it puts you in a position where you're like, listen, I mean, what, what, what is the mature thing to do here? Go get the, the usher? Is it is it to tell them to shush? Listen, they fucking don't know how to behave. Their parents are the ones that should be getting smacked. I think they're almost worse and harder to deal with than adults because they don't understand the consequences oh, no. of a guy like you punching them in the face. Nah, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, what do you do with that? Like, it, it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> you're not going to get pushed over. You're not going to let nobody touch you or your wife. or put you, But at the same time, you could make headlines for smacking a... Ch- a so a w- would you have said something minor. to that guy? He was an adult. Um, he was an adult and he was just kept flipping through his phone. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is the age we live in. People no, are so addicted to their phones. People are so selfish. Thing, would yeah. you, you would have said something. Well, I mean, look, there's another time in Long Island where it was, it was a, it was a dead night and it was during the week, me and my wife went and then there was a guy that kept going in and out of the theater, these two guys, and they kept going out, smoking a cigarette, coming back or smoking weed, whatever. They kept coming in and it was only us and them in the theater. So they were being <laughs> fucking obnoxious. And then they were coming. Then the guy was up above and started smoking a cigarette. And it was too much. Hey, man, fuck that. Yeah. I mean, now, now it's like, that's when I got up. And now the thing is this. I'm going to these guys fully aware that it could go real south. Sure. But then it's there's times where I bit my tongue. And it so annoyed me. When guys were behind me being obnoxious. Where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be... I'm not gonna, you know what? The guy might mouth off. I might do. I'm just gonna bite my. You're tongue. more afraid of what you're yeah. gonna do. Oh no, I'm not afraid of what they're gonna do. I'm that's afraid. Ex- that's exactly the opposite yeah. of my problem. <laughs> I'm afraid of, uh, you know, just them saying the wrong thing, and then it, where I, you know, where I, where I come from, and it's pretty much all over. But uh, you know, we have that saying where, <laughs> you know, the winner, the you know, the, the the loser goes to the hospital, the winner goes to jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where I, that's where I come from, man. So. You know, I'm not, I always have that in the back of my mind. Like, man, if I, so I went over to those guys and they just sort of look in my eye when I ordered them. I go, hey, dude, man, listen, don't be smoking in here. I don't, I don't want to smell that shit. I didn't pay you to smell your smoke. I didn't pay here to smell your smoke. Yeah, but yeah, okay, yeah, but you said I didn't <laughs> yeah, pay yeah, to smell yeah. your smoke. It always comes, listen, anytime there's a confrontation, it always comes out better when you're in the moment. So what did but, you, uh, what they Oh, had? no, no, they put that shit out right away. They knew, they could see. They, they, they I called their bluff, you know, because they would, yeah. Young guy. I See, mean, he called Matt calls them out like like a, a man would call them out. Yeah, See, I would try to be a polite like guys. Well, the thing if is, we this, could not smoke. It would be very appreciated. You know, yeah, I would but try the problem to- problem with this, you got to just read what you're what you're talking to. Right, like, sure. If it's if it's a guy that's just trying to. I don't know. I, I I sense. I I pick up on my and my instincts kick in. So sure. I know. I saw with these two guys. They were they were they were punks. They were young. They were they were they they they, they were being wise asses. And I knew when I was walking up to them, they were being wise asses. So once he saw he saw my face and he saw my tone, he, and he, he saw your he, arms and your chest, said, face and tone. No, no, arms he, and chest. Oh, no, no, no problem, man. No problem. He put that thing out. Yeah, you, know, you see a so guy like, like you, a fucking little short yeah. squat, <laughs> fucking fire plug but, uh, approaching. You know what I mean? But it's it's one of those things. It shouldn't have to be that. It shouldn't have to but come to that. I just kept thinking, I, I, this is why I'm not one of these. Like, there's a lot of reasons I'm already good. But that, to me, I would be in such... 
trouble. And so after the movies, I'm so, I have to just see. Carlin did a great joke about you ever drive and there's a guy who's going slow and you just have to see what the fuck he looks like. Oh, hundred oh, percent. Yeah, all the time. So these guys are are the movie's <laughs> over. Yeah. I'm a frightened young man. Mm. I go to the restroom to tinkle. I piss a lot, so I'm in and out of the theater pissing a lot. So uh, I see these guys. Big guys, not huge. The one guy on the phone is a big guy, and um, him and his friend were talking. I think they're speaking Spanish. So I couldn't. I didn't know what they were talking about. Their two awful girlfriends went to the bathroom, <laughs> so I'm in the bathroom with these two guys, and then they're you know, talking, whatever they're saying, and then the one guy with, who, who was on the phone the whole time farts really loud, <laughs> and his friend just starts cracking up, and they start laughing like ten year olds, <laughs> and I'm thinking, the worst okay, is I'm laughing at that, but that's <laughs> but then I'm like. Argh. These just two dumb guys yeah, out idiots. to the movies. Yeah. They're not trying to be dicks. They're just having a good time and being assholes. Yeah. And one guy farts, another guy left. That's what you do. Like, like I, I, I put like such horrible motives on them. Yeah. But they were just being selfish idiots and no. not paying attention to what it, they were doing. It's just some guys don't have that etiquette. People don't have that etiquette. And uh, you could build it up in your head that they're being just, up, just trying to be obnoxious. But, but a lot could, of times they're just not they thinking. They could just be stupid, man. Like those kids that were running out of the theater... They're, where were the, where the hell were their parents? Do they know that they're ruining the movie for a sold out? I mean, they're, they're ruining the movie for everybody. I mean, what? The, I mean, that's that's why I felt like gripping by the neck. They don't care. You know? There's a good article they, in, the, in the paper today about, and this is where you sound like old men too. Ah, these generation <laughs> of kids, fucking kids. You know, uh, two things that made us sound really old right now is you fucking your pizza crust photo comment and my eagerness to see it. <laughs> And the two of us complaining about kids. <laughs> By the way, I've been wearing my MeUndies, and this has nothing to do with you guys being a sponsor. I know I'm not doing a read right now. I'm just okay. talking. I got to say, the MeUndies, it's probably the best thing I've ever worn. Oh, yeah. And no, I, as I'm wearing there. them, I've, I've worn them before, but for some reason, I just really constantly, I'm like, how good do these things feel? They, yeah. My dick looks phenomenal in the MeUndies. It's so, you know what's funny about Did you that? notice your dick that, looks you, good in them? You know what? I, my, my wife noticed. It was, it's one of those things where it hugs the buttocks and I'm like, did I just suddenly grow in my groin area? I look, I, I'm just looking big. Yeah. I'll bet you that they fuck. There's like a magnifying glass on the outside of him. Makes your dick look nice. It, My it, hog looked phenomenal. <laughs> it, I literally was standing there. I took pictures of it. I sent it to a girl. Picture of my penis <laughs> in fucking MeUndies. <laughs> So anything better than when you get a good photo of your... I mean, you're a married guy. You don't yeah. need to do it. But when you're still... Are you single, right? No, I'm engaged. Oh, you fucking both of you guys. I, I got to... No, like, no, that's okay, though. Or I, I, you could live through some of my pain. I could live through some of your stories. That's what I do. I go out there and you get photos of your hog and you start sending them. Yeah. And I sent it to a girl. I said, wow, they look good on you. There's nothing better. These MeUndies, they, they, they sent a few weird patterns. And this, this one pair of MeUndies was... Uh, <laughs> It was like almost like little kid character. Like it, they were. It kids. looks like I know what you're saying. It, it looks like sea a, creatures or whatever. Like, a, like SpongeBob type yes. of thing. It does. That's what it looked like. I'm like, what are these things? But whatever know. it is, my dick looked awesome. It, hey. Send more mediums. They're fucking great. Yeah, I don't, I don't wear the mediums. They're but. so good. <laughs> but they, I'll not, do the read now. Read it. I will. Ahead. We're on top. We're on the top. I'm not even doing this for the read. I'm no. being really genuine. These things fit so. I'm wearing them, and I'm like, all right, I got to be nice because they're a sponsor. But they're legitimately comfortable. There was people reaching out on Twitter to both of us. Uh, I don't know if you read it. They were saying, well, thank you for turning me on to these MeUndies because we made them a believer once they tried them. Look, I can just read the copy, but I'm giving you an, a personal endorsement. Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, I happen to be wearing uh, neither at that moment. I was wearing just regular trousers. 
You spend almost 24 hours a day in your underwear. That's not necessarily true for me either. I walk around my own apartment nude a lot. But instead of making a statement like uh, Superman's tights under his everyday clothes, your underwear is probably boring. All right, that's a fair statement. MeUndies mm-hmm. is here to change that. Every pair of MeUndies is made from substantially sourced modal, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. Yes! I, okay, <laughs> I'll admit this too. And they're probably going to hate this read, but I, I will admit this. I was smacking my own ass. With the MeUndies. With the MeUndies. I swear on my life. I would, this is the courage I didn't have in the movie theater to fucking yell at those guys. I did have to, I took out of my own hiney. I was smacking my own dumb ass in my MeUndies. No, wait, wait, hold on. I really was. If, I, was like, I would love to be spanked in these. It's the modal. It's so soft on my hiney. It is soft. It is soft on your hiney. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of MeUndies. I think I just did. But once you try them, you're going to understand why they're called the world's most comfortable underwear. No shit. That's the truth. And you wore women's underpants before. Who hasn't? You guys act like you don't wear panties oh, ever. Yes, where, I have. Where have I been? Yes, I have. I I've worn need... thigh highs. I'm a dirty boy, Matt. <laughs> okay, I don't need to wear them because of the MeUndies. I know the MeUndies are soft enough. But I'll tell you this. <laughs> and, and, and I thought of this while I was wearing them. Oh, by the way, if you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, they're free. No questions asked. No bullshit. There's no way you're not going to like these unless you're stupid or unless your hiney and balls don't like comfortable things. That's it. Hey, listen. If your yeah. ass and balls don't like comfortable things, you're going to be like, ugh. But if your ass and balls like comfort like mine, like Matt's, you know. MeUndies has dozens of styles and limited edition prints. Oh, good. I wonder if I get the limited edition, like you said, the SpongeBob looking monster things. To help you make a statement with your underwear, whether anyone can see them or not, remember Superman. I honestly mean that. Spanking myself. Now, here's the difference. I used to wear, and I thought of this while I was wearing these MeUndies. I I used to wear satin boxers, which were creepy and pimp-like, but I'd wear them in the strip clubs for the obvious reasons. But the problem is you can't wear satin boxers or silk boxers when you fly because you're trying to relax and you're sliding down the uh, seat. I hated them. It's no good. My underwear was bunching up. I would sit on my seat and uh, I would slide down and my underpants would no. bunch up around my crotch and it sucked. No good. These have all the comfort of satin underwear. <laughs> and I imagine, I'm going to wear them tomorrow morning when we fly. Nice. I imagine none of that slipperiness because they grip you nicely. I know this sounds like this whole thing is me prostituting for me. Under- I love them. I can't say enough. Shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada. You can save up to eight bucks a pair on the MeUndies subscription plan. You're a dope if you don't at least try them. If you don't like them, they give you your money back. Get the subscription or a single pair. Get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com slash UFC. That's MeUndies.com slash UFC for 20% off your first order. And this is how old I'm getting. Besides the pizza crust thing, and literally I'm this psyched about fucking underpants. Is these are my reading glasses, and I'm gonna have to do this to read the next <laughs> read. The, I, I literally should have my fucking. These that, should be punched off my face. What, <laughs> Look when, at these douchey reading glasses. When did you have to glasses. start wearing those? I when? probably should have started wearing them a year ago. Yeah. Oh my! I see so much better. These are twenty five dollars CVS. Awful. They even sound like shit glasses. When your glasses make that noise when you close them, when they make like the, the get smart door. Sound, yeah, but you look smart. You look, you look, it makes you look smarter. Thank you. You should see me in my MeUndies with these glasses. I look like the nerd with the great dick. My dick's average, but in, my, in the MeUndies, it looks better. If I had a phenomenal dick, this wouldn't be a story. You know, if I had a dick worth bragging about, I wouldn't be talking about these right now, but I don't. And the fact that it looks amazing, I'll show you the photo. I mean, it's, it's that, that terrific. Reason, that reason alone is a reason to get MeUndies. I mean, I, I mean, if, if it wasn't, but, but you know, I, I, I love it. Oh, we got I the phone? It. Oh, okay. Well, what do we got? Yes, on the phone we have uh, David Benioff and Dan Weiss. I'm so excited. The creators of, uh, pr- I think my favorite show on television has got to be uh, is Game of Thrones. Hi, guys. 
Hey, how are hey, you guys? How's it going, guys? Good, how are you? Good. Did I fuck up that intro? <laughs> no, it's no, great. Was, was good, man. <laughs> okay, good. I'm always panicking when somebody calls in. I'm going to butcher and, and botch the introduction. What? Now, you guys are uh, the heads of probably, I'd have to say it's the biggest show on television, no? I don't know if it's the biggest. I think The Walking Dead might be the biggest, but we're... Uh... We're doing all right. Oh man, it's the biggest. We're, us. we're the we're the welterweight <laughs> champions. Now, how did you guys meet and come and come to take this? Because these these things were books which I have not read, but Matt has read. Oh, I, I read. Oh, I'm the biggest geek you're gonna ever find with this stuff, guys. How are you? It's Matt Serra. I'm, guys, I'm so thrilled that you're on with us today. You're not gonna find a bigger uh, game of uh, phones fanboy than, than than me. Phones? Yeah, no. Game of phones? no. it's Game of Phones. Did I say that? Yes, you did. Guys, to, every, to the creators. I, I, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know what? They know what I'm. Guys, I every day. We certainly do. I'm, Matt is red. His head is I'm red. The, it always like, like Beatles. <laughs> guys, Game of. <laughs> I read all five books when Jimmy's done breaking my balls. But listen, I read everything, and each season of the of the show gets better and better. It's the sixth season, and it's arguably the best season. You know, where do we go from here? I'm I'm, I'm psyched. First of all, congratulations. Did I say that? Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you did, you did. Uh, well, yeah, no. That's, Hearing the enthusiasm, uh, that, that, uh, that <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Okay. It really does. Well, uh, can I say, as a New Yorker, you know, you knocking at GSP oh, was maybe the highest I've ever jumped in my. Oh my! See that, Jim? Jim, did you hear jumps. that? I did hear that. I'm very I, happy. I get so I, I get excited <laughs> when the guys that like I. I look up to, and I, I watched a million interviews with you guys, and and George R R Mount Martin, and and yeah. just how you guys <laughs> met. I got that right, right? Did I get it right? George, I, I thought you said George R. R. Martin. No, 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 not Mount. He said Martin. No, no, that's my that's my bad accent. And he wrote Game of Phones for anybody who's not. This is coming out great, but uh, you know, listen. I, with the books, is there anything and I, that that in the books that you could not that you did not use that that kills you that you couldn't put in. Because it's such a, it, listen, it's great. You're getting the meat and potatoes and the books, there's so much to get in, like there's so much in the books that you can't possibly get everything in. Is there anything that kind of killed you that you could not put in the uh, the TV show? I guess thinking back to season one, there was supposed to be this this big battle with um, where where Tyrion Lannister follows the mountain into combat. And, and we were going to, we we're really excited for the spikes. We were going to have the camera at Peter Dinklage's eye level and have him follow this giant mountain into battle and just see everything. And we just, frankly, we just ran out of money and we couldn't do it. So, you know, that was one of the big battles from the book that we had hoped we could get on screen and we, we never managed to do it. So that, that one was, uh, still makes me sad. How does the author too, cause it's gotta be hard to, to see your stuff put into a screenplay when there's so much more detail in books. Has there been any conflict with the author at all? Were there any things that he thought you guys, Hey, you shouldn't have put these two characters together to make one or any complaints that he might've had? We have we have a lot of you know we talked to George a lot about this stuff especially uh, when we started out the process and and the great thing about George is that he he worked in television for I think more than ten years and okay. you know he got, gotten Emmy nominations before this one and uh, you know he really he kind of knew he knew how the sausage got made so he wasn't a lot of authors who have their work adapted have never been a part of an adaptation process before and uh and you know and they get really precious about every last thing and i think george we've not to say george has agreed with everything we've done but i think by and large on the on the grander scale like he gets what you need to do to adapt something and he's he's, he's a, a grown-up and a gentleman about it and uh, you've had to uh, over the over you've had to kill off some really really interesting people <laughs> and i understand you have to follow the book uh, of all the guys you've had to kill off, or, or the characters you've you've kind of had to kill off to stay true to the story, which, which is the hardest one that you've had to get rid of? 
Uh, there's so many that are hard. I mean, you know, one of the first ones was Jason Momoa, who played Khal Drogo. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that was something he came into it knowing that he was going to die at the end of the first season. So it wasn't a surprise or anything. But Jason became such a good friend of ours over the course of shooting that year and has remained a great friend of ours. So that was a heartbreaker. You know, I've noticed that to me, uh, I think in the second episode of season four, Joffrey, the the amazing thing about it was Jack Leeson, I think his name is, is, is he's yeah. the most fucking hateable character I've ever seen in a television show. Until Ram- Ramsey's up there, too. Uh, Ra- he, this kid was more... Ra- Ramsey, at least, I thought was a sociopath. This kid was a brat, a boy king, and we all know somebody like that. Um, I was amazed that you guys killed him off. Is that just what the story called for? Because, again, I haven't read the books. Yeah, J- Joffrey. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was pretty close. It was a big thing in, in the books uh, that we, we stuck, as David was saying, we stuck pretty close to and I'll tell you, as far as battle scenes go, the, in the Battle of the Bastards, and it's the same director, I believe, as in uh, Hardhome, the Miguel, I'm going to kill this. <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, <laughs> man, I will put the, that fight scene, that, that battle with the Battle of the Bastards with Jon Snow, and I would put that up against anything in Hollywood, Braveheart, Gladiator. That fight scene was amazing. Like, I guess, I guess... When the when the show picked up steam and it, and it uh, th- there's no more trouble with you know getting the uh, the money to, to take care of that like you said in the beginning with Tyrion you wanted to get that though you didn't have the yeah, money for that yeah. I guess <laughs> I guess that's not a problem anymore with the way that thing that's, looked yeah I mean ultimately it comes down to the the time you know it's to shoot a battle like that just takes so much time and time is money obviously and so every every single shooting day you've got so many hundreds of crew members. Um, and you know each each one of our first unit shooting days is only like two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. So that adds up, and we just didn't have the time for it season one. But in a way, I think it's probably better that we couldn't do it because it never would have measured up to what we were what we were able to do later. And, uh, and Miguel's just got such a great eye for that stuff, and so much of it's just like in the nitty gritty, you know, these details of of Jon Snow getting kind of swallowed up in that body pile. and, and uh, Oh, man. That was very uncomfortable there. to watch. That was actually yeah. almost, yeah, you have to almost look away at <laughs> that part. It was so great. And what we really wanted was a sense of how random it was. But, but at a certain point, it doesn't really matter how good a fighter you are. Like, these arrows are falling down from the sky. You can be the greatest fighter in the world, but it's just luck that one of them doesn't plunk you in the head. And horses are running over everybody left and right. And it's really not the best and the bravest who are who survive necessarily. It's the guys who just happen yeah. to be lucky in the moment. Even, even Jose Aldo's jaw sometimes ends up. In the wrong place. <laughs> uh, you, are you guys fans of MMA? I mean, are you watching oh, UFC oh, yeah. 200 coming up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I stayed up with a bunch of the actors and crew members in Belfast, which is where we shoot the show in Northern Ireland to six in the morning, watching, uh, watching the, what was the McGregor Aldo fight, uh, in yeah. Vegas this past <laughs> December. I mean, we're, 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 we talk more about MMA than we do Game of Thrones. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, good, good, good. That is very cool. That's every so day, cool. Every night we come home from shooting, we'll just sit around and watch, you know, we'll drink beer and watch Fight Pass. Until well, we <laughs> now, were you guys heartbroken that he lost to Diaz, or were you shocked, or did you not care? We were there. We were there. It was kind of shocking. We were, we were, it was pretty shocking. Yeah. Oh, I felt really? bad for all the Irish fans who flew all the way over from Dublin, you know, and they're the they're greatest, the greatest fight fans, and... Uh, you know, I felt more bad for them than I did for uh, for anyone else. But I didn't I feel as for, bad uh, for them because I'm a Jose Aldo fan. So, you know, I felt bad for the Brazilians that flew to Vegas for 13 seconds. I mean, that was. <laughs> 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 oh man! When we heard when we heard when we were in the arena, we heard Nate Diaz when you know when he first got the mic after he won. We thought he said "surprise, motherfuckers," which we thought was the best line we'd ever heard anybody. Say, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. So good. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's so even cooler. 
I we kind of wanted to do a, a punch up on on that line, a rewrite of that. Line. <laughs> My hope is that is that Weidman comes back and uh, knocks out this thing in Madison Square Garden. Oh man! Oh, listen, that's that's Chris's hope and my hope and everybody's hope as well. Uh, we're going to see who he's matched up against. He just had to get that surgery on his neck, but he's recu- he's uh he's getting better. He's he's healing up nicely. <laughs> Don't look at me, Jimmy. When I'm no, no, listen to you because I, I I like Bisping. I, I like kind of the the fairy tale way he wound up becoming the champion. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's such a. A bunch of things had to happen. Like you said, with the arrows falling, and, and some of it is yeah. just luck. And with Bisping, yeah. the same thing. Some of it just kind of fell the right way for him. And yeah. you really, a terrible yeah. segue by me, by the way. But I really do hope that uh, that he that he stays champion for a while. Well, that's why this. I like that so segue. Excited. That was a good segue. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, guys, getting back to Game of Thrones, do you we do do we know like how many seasons are, are left in us or uh... two more? Oh, two more. Wow. Is it a fifteen episode maximum? Uh, well, we'll probably be seven. Sure, uh, yeah, it's it's it, the two seasons will be a bit shorter. We don't have a definite episode count, but each season will be a little bit shorter, just because each year it takes longer and longer to shoot. Do you also have the ending? You know how it's going to end? Yes, you yeah. do. Don't put them under these hot lights, Jimmy. No, then I want to know. And, and how far ahead of the books? No, no. Like, Matt mentioned you're being ahead of the books. How how far well, ahead are you, or, or can he catch up by writing a book and grab to where you are and then pass you, or is he kind of following your lead now? Well, the book's pretty much ended I don't know when Jon Snow got stabbed, so so we're pretty far beyond yeah. that. Beyond that now, there were a lot from the books that we we plugged into this year, but this year I'd say 90, 90 plus percent of this year was was beyond the books. Now, guys, I don't know if it's like taboo to talk about. Like it's it's almost like if I was about to fight somebody back in the day, and somebody brought up a, another guy to fight, I'd say, whoa, whoa, I got to handle this first. And I know you guys are not done with the Game of Thrones right now. You got a couple more seasons, but let's say that let's say we're done and. And in the like, I've always thought like, if there was, is there like room for like like a prequel type thing? I mean, there's a million ways you can go with this. Robert's Rebellion. You could go. You could put it through Rhaegar's eyes, Rhaegar Targaryen's eyes. I mean, there's a million different scenarios. The characters. There's so many different characters, and you could. Exp- I mean, this. You know, again, this is probably stuff you guys already thought about, or again, it might be taboo to talk about. Uh, have you thought about any of that, or? Is it too uh, early? Definitely not, definitely, definitely, not, definitely, not definitely not taboo. I mean, it, it's just, yeah. and we're so, this is such a 24 hour a day job that we don't, we, we think about thinking about it, but then yeah. once we start thinking about it, we realize we have other things that are immediately pressing that we need to be thinking about today. But yeah, I mean, one of the great things about what George did is he didn't just build a story, he built a world, uh, like he said, with so many characters and such a rich kind of detailed history behind it that. There, there, there are a lot of different ways you, you could, you could go with it. Um, we just, we just haven't had time to really think through the details of it because we're so, we, we're so focused on actually just getting the show made. Right, hundred percent. How, how did he feel about Jon Snow being brought back? You would have to ask George because I, I don't know how to give an answer without spoiling something for the books. The books oh, yeah. in the series are, are so different now that I don't okay. want to say anything that might give away. Oh, okay, fair enough. You so know what I mean? Is he putting out another one or is he done? Oh no, he's got he's he's still writing. I mean, he's he is okay. Six book right now, yeah. And let me ask you now: Have you guys and and him? I've I've heard that there was some type of at least a collaboration where you both kind of know what the other is doing, so you're not that crazy far off base, or are you totally independent of each other? I think we know some of the things he's doing. I mean, for for instance, you know, when we met with him and uh, he was in Santa Fe, and so we went to Santa Fe a few years ago and sat down with him and kind of grilled him about everything he was planning. And one of the really exciting things he told us about was the origin of Hodor's name, you know, and, and, uh, and so that was what triggered the, the scene in, in this past season with sure. Hodor. Um, and we know some of his distant plans, but one thing George always says is there are two kinds of writers. There are gardeners and architects and 
architects are the ones who plan out everything beforehand to kind of to create the blue plans for group blue blue plans blueprints blue plans yeah for for uh, for the show you know for the story they're trying to tell and the gardeners are the ones who plant the seeds and they kind of discover it as they go they plant the seeds and they watch what blooms and he's a gardener you know so he doesn't necessarily know everything that's going to happen until he writes it so that's interesting you know, uh, which is great and that's why his books are so good. Unfortunately for us as, as TV writer producers, we kind of have to be architects, you know, because we have to write all the episodes before we shoot the season so we can plan out the entire season. And, you know, for us, we know where we're going. We know where the final season is going to end. We could write the final episode right now if we had to. So. Sure. And, and an interesting point, too, or something I thought was that, and this was I don't know if it's because you guys are ahead, but I noticed at the end of the season there was a lot of deaths, but you didn't there was nobody <laughs> killed off who we really cared about. Or who really hurt us to see go, and that to me is kind of what uh, Game of Thrones was known for. Was that the fact that it's harder when you're in a television world like Dexter? I heard that the writers wanted to kill off Dexter, but Showtime wouldn't allow them to. Um, or, or at the end of uh, the first season of Homeland, they wanted to kill off Brody, and and, and the network said no. So, was the did the network oppose any particular deaths that you guys might have wanted to do? No, absolutely. No, they've never. One of the great things about working with HBO is that they don't they don't operate that way. There's none of this, you know. I'm I'm sure on some level they'd love to see the show carry on beyond the, the you know the seasons that we've got planned. But when if they trust people that they work with, if we tell them that the story ends here and there is no real story beyond that endpoint, like they they stick with it. And if you, we told them in the beginning, we said we gotta we want to hire. Sean Bean to play this role and be on the poster and then we want him to, to die in the ninth episode and that was you know that was built into the, the DNA of the show so if people people live or die it's, it's really all kind of down to the dictates of what's going to make the best story there's nothing there's no ulterior uh, motives or, or, uh, or forces at play in that that's good to know. I, I tend to like HBO more than the other networks because they do stuff like that. Um, and I think the other networks tend to uh, cartoon things a little bit and worry too much about offending the viewer. So I, I like that you guys have done that a lot. Um, now let me ask you, uh, Gendry, uh, our producer... Gendry. Make, uh, Gendry, Gendry, sorry. <laughs> I don't remember that character. I know he left on the boat four seasons ago and no one has seen him since. Which character was that? Can you refresh my memory and tell me what happened to him? Gendry is the the blacksmith kid. He's one of Robert's bastards that Arya traveled uh, up north with. Um, he's the one who Ned came to see in season one because he he realized that Gendry was Robert's illegitimate son, and, and Gendry's the one who realized that Arya was a girl, and and, uh, and they became friends. Um, I remember he had a bull helmet and. Oh yeah, man! Right, oh, Annie Bell's. Remember oh, he, right. he rose away from the island at the end with Davos kind of set free. So um, he's still rolling. Yes, he's. He's still rowing. It's a long, <laughs> it's a very long. Coming up on Florida. That was the producer's question. He, I told he's him, no spoilers. They aren't going to spoil shape. anything. Think of the shape he's in after rowing for uh, four yeah. yeah. Big lats. So when do you guys come back on the air? Is it April? No. no this year will be later. We don't have an air date yet, yeah. but this year will probably be a little bit later. So we're, we're starting a bit later because, uh, you know, at the end of this season, winter, winter is here, and that means that uh, – sunny weather doesn't really uh, serve our purposes anymore so we kind of pushed everything down the line so we could get some some grim gray weather even in the sunnier places that we shoot okay well we are fans man uh it's it's a brilliant show it's 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 amazingly well acted 
There's nothing about this show I don't like. Uh, I wish you guys did a few more episodes a year, honestly. Yeah, and again, this last season, every episode was just every episode was just amazing. Talk about a strong season, you know. I and mean, and a lot of oh, the shows, but you're a sixth season. I mean, that's a, that's that's a lot to be saying, you know, a lot to be said for. Is that English? Well, it's funny, hey, Jim. Jim, we should tell you that we 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 both would uh, we used to go see your stand up at the Improv before we had kids and got to go do stuff like that. And uh, I personally am a huge fan of your metal show on on XM. I listen all the time. Oh, thanks, man. That's nice to know on Ozzy's Boneyard. Yeah, I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you I want to send it. me a playlist, I'd love to. Re- if you have a 13 song oh, playlist, God. dude, send me one. I would love to do that. Right. Yeah, dude. dude, do it in a second. The real Jim Norton, right now. The real Jim Norton at gmail.com is my email address, and uh, that that'd be awesome. Excellent. Oh yeah, that would now be the fun. whole world's got your email address. That's okay. It's a public <laughs> one. They have it anyway. I get a lot of dick pictures, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate it, man. You guys are geniuses, and, and, and thank, thank you, you for giving oh, us such an amazing guys. show. Thanks thank so much, guys. Oh, man, thank, thank, thank you, guys. It was really a lot of fun talking to you. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon, and hopefully see you at, at, at a UFC event. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, hope so. Thank you so Take much. Take care, guys. Thank you. Dan Weiss and uh, David Bye, Benioff. Take care, boys. Uh, the, uh, the creators and, and uh, producers of Game of Thrones. And I'm, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke. Like, I love that show so oh, much. Dude. It's so... Cersei is the. I should have just yapped about her because she's my favorite one as the queen on the show, which Cersei. is very appropriate to my lifestyle. But I do actually, <laughs> I do uh, enjoy her so much. And uh, I've, you know, even my favorite clip of probably Game of Thrones is when she's talking. Who's na- the guy? I don't know. He's the mayor on the Wire, Mayor Carcetti, and he's always hanging out with Sansa Stark, uh, the older guy. Yeah, you're talking about a P- Littlefinger. There you go. But that's where she fucking has the swords all pulled out of him, and he says, "Knowledge is power." And she tells them to oh, yeah, cut his throat. Just, yeah. No, I've changed my mind. Oh, that's such a good scene. Oh, no. Listen, oh, the, I know. I'm like the, a teenage girl. The, I know. My budding breasts, <laughs> my eager chatter. The, di- <laughs> the dialogue alone on that show is just... See, I just had to, I had to kind of try, try to control myself from being such a fanboy. Dude, like, Game to, of Phones. Ga- listen, I had a new listen, one. There was a, there was a bunch <laughs> of... I, I, I'll tell you right now, I was a total marble mouth during that whole thing. <laughs> I loved it. I said Game of Phones, and then I said... <laughs> I did something else that was... I said something else that wasn't proper Game English. of Phones. A game of Phones. That's oh, what you play when you're in a relationship. Oh, man. You, know, you keep then the my, fucking dirty boy my, phone in the, sh- in the drawer. My head... Turn, turn, like beat red. I don't know what's the matter. That may be so. They won't notice it on Twitter. Oh, but you know what's nice about that is fucking they, they fucking they love that. Is that the guys? Isn't it funny? They knew us. I, I still get amazed by that. I'm, I'm still. I think I'm that. I'm just because I feel like you know a regular guy. So when a guy like that, and they they watch your fight or they watch your act, doesn't it kind of get, take you take you back for a little? Yeah, second? I'm always I'm always surprised, and I always assume. You know, that's my low self-esteem. And no one knows who I am. That's and so no good. one has ever seen me do anything. And that everything I say, I always feel like I'm talking into a, into a fan, like a blowing fan. And no one can hear what I'm saying. And it's just shit. And it's blowing back at me. And no one cares. That's how I look at my life. Just an insignificant little fellow. <laughs> Bumbling through life with his meundies and his fairly good looking penis. And your beat elite. That's great, man. This week, this week in UFC history. Reigning middleweight champion Anderson Silva took a 17-fight win streak into the octagon on July 6, 2013 against then-undefeated title contender Chris Weidman. By 1 minute 18 seconds into the second round, the world witnessed one of the biggest upsets in the history of the sport. Anderson...
Weidman caught Silva with a left hook hurting the champ and eventually knocking him out to become the new middleweight king. Chris Weidman just knocked Anderson Silva out cold. He got silly, he didn't respect his opponent, and he paid for it with his consciousness. This week in UFC history. This is UFC Unfiltered. On the phone right now, we have the women's bantamweight champion fighting Amanda Nunez at 200, obviously. Misha Tate, thank you for calling. Hey there. <laughs> How are you? It's Matt Serra and Jim Norton. You're doing great. How are you guys? Getting sw- are you getting swamped with all the PR you have to do? You guys are the, the start of the rest. Do you think that... Uh, I, I was watching some of Amanda's fights. Do you think she's a bit of a t- uh, tougher matchup for you than Holly? Because of her wrestling and because your your style seem a bit more similar, you're both really aggressive, very fast. You know, honestly, yeah, she she presents issues and problems that that um, Holly didn't because she's much more well rounded. You know, she's got a great, really strong judo game and a very strong grappling game, and she has knockout power. She's knocked girls out with a single punch with her hands. You know, so. There's definitely a, an entirely different style to her, and she's more dangerous in every year, er, every area. She has she has finishes with knockouts, she has finishes with submissions, and she has finishes with TKOs. So that means that really she's dangerous in every area. Have, have you noticed though in her fights? And again, she's a great fighter, but it seems like she's <clears throat> made a couple of. And again, everyone makes mistakes when they fight, but I've noticed that it seems like in, in the last couple of fights, I think against McMahon and, and Zingano and against uh, Shevchenko, she made like a fairly big mistake two of them on the ground in, in each of those fights. Yeah, she she's uh, not a perfect fighter by any means, you know. I'll give credit where credit's due, but there's still areas of her game where there's big weaknesses. And, um, you know, we've studied those. We've studied every area. And and, and I still think that I'm better than her. As, as good as I think that she is, I just believe that I'm better. I think I'm better in every area. And, um, you know, my job is to go out there and prove that. Now, uh, Misha, do you get annoyed with uh, the questions of, <laughs> like, all right, you, you beat Holly, you are the champ, but everybody wants to know what happens if you have to face Ronda again. Uh, I know you're getting asked that all the time, people wondering when Ronda's back, and they kind of, your names are kind of joined together because of your two prior fights. Uh, how important is a third matchup with, with Ronda to you? Is it that important, or is it just you looking at it like, hey, whoever they put in front of me? I'll tell you it's not as important as this fight is right now because this is the one that's here and this is the one that's now. And if I don't win this fight, there is no third fight with Ronda. So in of order of importance, um, this one definitely, you know, way outweighs. It's way more important to me than uh, than that third fight. But, you know, granted, I go out there and do everything that I want to do on the ninth. So then I can kind of look forward to, you know, potentially a third fight with Rousey. You said, uh, did you, you said something along the lines of you seem to think that her head is not in the right place to return to fighting or that she didn't truly have a fighter's mindset. What did you mean by that? Um, you know what? Honestly, guys, no offense, but I'm just trying to stay focused on Amanda right now. I, I'm not trying to pick apart Ronda anymore. People have wanted to know about that and ask me about it, and I completely understand, but I really think that it would be a mistake for me to not be 100% focused on Amanda right now. You know, she's just a very dangerous opponent. I'm more focused on Amanda's mindset and the holes in her game there than than anybody else. No, no, understandable. And uh, so let me ask you a, a different way. You've you've taken losses before and you've come back and fought. What is it after a loss that you have to do to say, okay, I'm going to come back and and 
and, and, and fight again because you've lost and you came back and, and you wound up, uh, I think you beating Holly surprised a lot of people. So what in your mentality allowed you to come back and fight after having lost at, at times? Didn't surprise there's me, just, by the way. <laughs> thank you. There's just something um, in me that when, when I do face defeat, I feel like I can look at it one of two ways. I can look at it that I really was defeated or I can look at it as a temporary setback for a major comeback. That's kind of how I looked at it, was just like, you know, this was a setback, but it's going to teach me how to be better and stronger. And, and you win, you can learn from your wins, but I feel like when you lose, you, you've found a really solid hole in your game that obviously someone was able to seek out and defeat you in. So you have to really scrutinize yourself and be honest with yourself and learn how to, to come back better for that or not. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a personal choice. When you look at when you look at a loss you've taken, do you look at it like okay they found a hole in my game, or uh, there was just something that uh, that they were better at? Like you know what I mean? Is do you always think it's a hole in your game that caused them to beat you? Well, I think it's a combination. I think there has to be a you know a hole in someone's game, and then someone has to be better at you in that area. You know of their strength. So it's a combination. It's not you know entirely that it was just a hole in my game, and it's not entirely that they were just able to capitalize. It's a combination. Obviously, if I didn't have that hole then they wouldn't have probably been able to finish with that, you know. So it's, it's a combination of them being strong in one area and, you know, someone else not being as strong in the area that they got to see it. So. What was the first thing you did after you won? Uh, the first thing that I did was just, just hug my family and friends and, and thank them so much uh, because, you know, I wouldn't be here without them. There's no possible way that, that this is a, a single-person journey. There's so many people along the way that don't get the credit that's deserved that are support and love and sacrifice along the way with you and uh that moment was just it was really important for me to be able to share that moment with everyone now you've won a lot of high profile fights and uh those being five round fights you think that's going to going to be in your favor i mean the fact that this is a five round fight yeah absolutely i i think the fact that i've been deep into the championship rounds and i trained for that is a huge advantage um and i know that amanda has not ever had to do that so this is a big not only a big step up in competition, in my opinion, but this is a big step up on the platform, you know, and everything that she's going to be asked to do and all the coverage and media, you know, her time management and dealing with all of that. I've been here plenty of times before. I know exactly what to expect. I'm very comfortable in this spot, very comfortable in the limelight. And um, that's, you know, I've been into those rounds. I've, I've been in deep water and been able to come out ahead for it. And I think that, that the deeper this fight goes, you know, the the more that Amanda tends to fade. And I, I think a lot of people, you know, criticize the cardio. I don't even know if it's so much cardio as it is, like, how bad she really wants it. I think it's more mental. I think she, she gets a little bit tired and she, she doesn't want it bad enough to push beyond that. I think that's really what it is. I don't think it's physical. I'm sure she trains hard. I'm sure she does, but... She doesn't want it as bad as I do, and I don't think she has what it takes to be the champion. Even if you do train hard, though, like it seems to me against the Zingano, uh, Kat Zingano, she really kind of, it seemed like she gassed or really, really slowed down uh, after the first round. Is, is Can it be somebody might want it or have trained properly, but th- there's a certain energy or um, management ability they just don't have? Like Carwin against Brock Lesnar dumped everything in the first round and then just have nothing left for the rest of the fight. I mean, that could be it, too. She, she, maybe she's, you know, she's very passionate when she fights. She really wears her emotions on her sleeve. And, um, but again, that, you know, I think that's mentally still, you know, I still think it's, it's a weakness. However you describe it, it's definitely a big, a big, a probably the biggest hole in her game. 
Um, and I know that she's trying to change things in her cardio, and that's because she knows it's a big problem. Like, she knows that there's an issue, and um, I don't think she knows how to fix it. Though. I don't think it, it stems from her training. I don't think it stems from anything else. I think it, it stems with her ability to control her, her emotion inside the cage and, and, like, her mentality, you know, how, how bad she really, really wants it. It's funny how important that uh, comes into play with how calm you can be makes such a difference. Like she is a very, you're both very well-rounded fighters. Like you said, uh, she's, uh, I believe a brown belt in jujitsu. She's a black belt, a brown belt in judo, a black belt in jujitsu. She has knockout power. So she's very well, well, well-rounded and she's got that killer instinct, but being able to, to, to gauge how much you put out, like the fighting intervals, uh-huh. when to stay calm, when to, to to unload is as important as as that skill set as, as having all those skills. That's just as important with that the mindset. One hundred percent. I th- I think that she lacks that. Honestly, I don't think she has the ability to gauge. And I I just I don't know. I see I see her kind of break in fights. I see her gas. I see her break. I see um I see that as a really really big weakness and definitely something that I can capitalize on because um I think Amanda is great as long as she's winning. I think that as soon as it becomes a question whether she is going to be able to just dominate someone or not, even when it just gets questionable, yeah. she breaks. Very, yeah. very, very interesting. And listen, you are battle tested. I mean, uh, I've told you when I've seen you some of your battles. Even listen, even the one where with, with Kat Zingano, when it, it didn't go in your favor, and the second they stopped it, you were about to attack the ref. Not that you would, but you that you that shows you that. You, you did not want that thing being stopped and you got that killer instinct. And not only that, you got that heart and you got that grit. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited for this fight. I'm excited to watch this. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I was pretty pissed about that. I was like, why did you stop it? Yeah, um, well, there's other people when they, they, they take a shot like that or in that same shoes, they they don't really mean that. And and I could tell on your face that night that you really meant that. So And then look where you are now. So really, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm here to prove that I'm the best fighter in the world, and I want to go out there and make that first successful title defense and and make history. You know, I'll be the only the second bantamweight in the a second one was bantamweight in UFC history to successfully defend a title. So, you know, this is a big moment for me. There's a, definitely a lot of pressure on my shoulders, but there's one thing that I've learned about myself, and when there's a lot of pressure, is when I tend to thrive. And you know, that's exactly what I plan to do. I'm going to take all this pressure. I'm going to harness it. And I'm going to go out there and, and do, you know, do what I do best, do what I love. And I, I'm going to fight my ass off. <laughs> and Misha, you said that you handle this, like you think that this stage, you've been here before. You've had this kind of pressure before and you're comfortable being, comfortable being in the limelight. And for her, this might be a newer thing. What is different about this level of fighting or this type of an experience as opposed to other fights that she has probably had? What, what differences is she might not be prepared for? Out, I'm talking about not in, in, in the octagon, but out of it. Well, you know, talking about the fight so much, it's it's really when when everyone's so invested in the fight and it's such a big card, everybody's asking you about it all the time. And if you haven't learned how to manage that energy system, it can be really draining. You can go to practice with feeling tired just from talking about the fight because you get so you put so much energy into it and it's such a real experience that you have to learn. There's a process you kind of learn of separating those emotions and kind of compartmentalizing and that's something I think I've gotten really really good at is compartmentalizing when I need to and and part of that also stems from Brian fighting in the UFC and, and us having fought on the same cards together there's been times when I've really had to compartmentalize 
you know, what's important to me, what's important to him, what needs to happen at what time and what I can give when, you know, and um, that's just something I don't think, I think she's going to be very ill-equipped for. And I already think that she's an emotional person, an emotional fighter. And everybody, you know, in her face with cameras and asking her about this and, you know, telling her that she's this underdog. I just think it's going to wear on her. I think that she's going to be mentally exhausted by the time she gets to the fight. And everybody says that fights are one ninety percent, you know, 90% mental. So I, I think she's just going to be tired. I don't think she's going to know how to deal with all of this and, and the pressure. And being on that main card and that music and the big, huge T-Mobile arena, you know, it's a lot of pressure for anyone, but especially someone who's new to it all. He's kind of a rookie to like this atmosphere. What do you do when you're like, when you're walking out like that and you know, you're fighting for the championship or you're doing something or cause you've been the underdog before. What are you telling yourself as you're walking to the ring and you know that people are expecting you to not win or you feel all this pressure. What, what are you saying to yourself as you're walking? Uh, I'm just giving myself positive affirmations. I'm just telling myself, you know, that I can, I, that I can beat this girl. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do this. I love to do this. You know, I'm just reassuring myself as to why I'm there because it's funny. I think every every fighter has a moment, you know, in the backstage or when they're walking out or whenever. I'm sure it varies for different fighters. But I feel like we all have a moment. We ask ourselves, what the hell are we doing? (laughs) Why am I doing this? Like, this is crazy. I'm going to go out here and punch someone I don't even know, you know. But, um, but, But honestly, the answer to that question, I always tell myself it's simple. It's like, because I want to. That's why I'm doing it. So I never want to make it something that I don't want to do, that I don't enjoy. So I just try to pump myself up. You know, I know I'm going out for battle, and, and that's it. Well, we, uh, we are very happy that you at least agreed to talk to us for a little bit. And uh, you're fighting on the main card, one of three title fights at uh, UFC 200 against Amanda Nunez. And good luck, Misha. Yeah, we'll I, be there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm p- picking you to win, and uh, my picks always stink, but I do think that you're going to win this fight. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Misha. All right, take care. Take good care. luck. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, I never thought of the whole, okay, you're new to this pressure thing. Like, you know, how do you handle all these people in your face with a camera when, when nobody asks you a whole lot of questions before? I do guess that is something you have to get used to. Yeah, I mean, she has a lot of experience, and she's fought, you know, that main event a bunch of times. So that she definitely has that going for her, Misha, you know? Well, you know, it's like I always say, because like, you know me, man. I mean, yes. I'm obviously in good shape. Of course. And I always say to myself, if you're hitting the gym without a pre-workout supplement, I mean, it's just not going to be as effective, period. Period. Try beets. <laughs> beets are a nutrition goldmine. I know it. You know it. They're rich yes. in antioxidants, polyphenols, electrolytes, dietary nitrates. Nitrates convert to nitric oxide in the body, which anyone who's serious in the weight room knows. It's the key to getting that pump you're looking for. Beet Elite can help support healthy circulation, help promote energy, stamina, and extended exercise endurance. Beetroot juice has been causing waves lately in the fitness community. Clinical studies have shown that two glasses of beetroot juice per day can increase stamina by 16%. Wow. Now you can harness the power of beets without having to chug beetroot all day long. <laughs> There's nothing worse than chugging beetroot. Who wants to chug that? Oh, You just need beet elite. You I'd rather chug that. it than say it. It's a very hard thing to say. <laughs> beetroot. Beetroot juice. Try saying that fast 30 times while Matt Sarah's looking at you. <laughs> Look, mm. go to UFCBeats.com. They have a page set up for our listeners. You can save 20% off their intro pack, one canister of the Beat Light Plus, a box of the sports packs, plus free shipping on your order. Try it with your workout. If you don't feel a difference the first time, they offer a 90-day money-back guarantee. It's confidence. Yeah, I mean, that's real confidence. It is. I think you're going to be pretty surprised. You visit UFCBeats.com today to check it out. Be sure to let us know what you think. 
UFCbeats.com. And again, a 90-day money-back guarantee. They don't say if you don't feel a difference after six weeks. They don't say if you don't feel a difference nine months from now. It's if you don't feel a difference after the first time. That's a pretty impressive statement to make. So again, the worst that can happen is you don't feel a difference until you get your money back. You I, lose nothing. I had my beat elite this morning, and I did some jujitsu, and it, I just felt extra powerful. Just strangling one of my black belts. That song, listen, <laughs> it, just, I, it sounds strange. No, but, it oh, sounds it, awesome. It's how, it's, how I, it's how I just channel my zen. Does that make sense? Channel yeah, my zen? I guess. I, <laughs> I didn't know if it didn't. I, I didn't know if it but seriously, man, oh, the, the beat elite, I, I, I had that. And oh, God, I felt so good. Well, as we've covered, I stared at someone's camel toe this morning and got oh, busted. God, That's really, toe. I'm a creep in the fucking gym. I'm a creep. You might just be, and I'm about to say, in the gym? Well, you're, yeah, you're, but in the gym, it's worse. I fall creep. in love fast. I'm like, ah, oh, I love that girl. I want to yeah. go talk to her. I only get pretty girls to train me. Oh, man. Is I your, can't is have your, a guy Is your trainer a, a girl? Both of them are. I have two different beautiful um, women training me at different wow. gyms. But they're both well, my maybe, friends for years yeah, now. Yeah, so maybe it's, it's, it's motivating. Do you want a, I can't have a guy yelling at me. Uh, I can't have a guy going, come on, let's go, let's go. Stop it. Stop like a, clapping. Yeah, like a guy masseuse. <laughs> I fucking hate it. I can handle that. If it's, if, you know, one time I was with a girl who went to a spa together. And I had a guy, he was one guy and one woman available. And so I, we each had to choose. So I'm like, I'll take the guy. You take the, because I know that a, I don't trust a guy in there fucking futzing around with our hiney. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> want that. <laughs> I wouldn't want that either, you know? But uh, listen, while I have you here, you know, yesterday, you know, people don't know how these things work. So I think it's always nice to see behind the scene things. So, you know, we get our little rundown, Chris, the producer, this he's right nice. here. I'm just going to mention him. Yes. He's looking at me. It's weird. Sure. But, uh, you know, we get a little email from him saying, hey, guys, this is what's going to go down on the show. Boom, boom, boom. Game of Thrones and this and that. And and then he goes, and if you want, you could talk about how um, Matt Hughes mentioned that if he had a comeback fight, he'd like to fight me at at Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's... So, I mean, he asked me about this, and it's one of those things where I'm like, all right, what do I do? Do I... Do I even like talk about this? Because it's kind of a weird. It's a weird. Let me explain the situation. Uh, you know, I fought Matt Hughes White uh, back in the day. Yes. We had that whole grudge match thing, and then we ended up fighting. And the fight, he won. He got the W. You know, I don't know if you remember the fight. You can watch it on Fight Pass. Uh, I, it's one one of those fights that keeps me up at night. We had a big. Uh, feud back in the day we coached first each other on the ultimate fighter we're not we don't really get along too great we're not that we're not this we're not guys that want to pal around together I'm, I'm not a big fan of his and his and and vice versa we're just two different type of people you know and uh we ended up fighting and it was pretty much to a standstill i mean if i mean if you look at who did more damage i mean i i knocked him down in the first round he's gonna say a headbutt it was the right hand after my head hit his chin and uh, I put him down. I freaking, I was close to the ending the fight there. He was on top of me more in the fight. So I could see what right. the judges sure. might do, whatever, you know, but zero damage. I had some cuts, uh, not cuts, uh, little scrapes from the glove, but nothing, nothing wrong with me at all. Never rocked, never, uh, you know, I got, he got, he threw me once. I threw him even better in the last round. The, every round ended with me attacking him. I, it's not a fight that sleeps, that, that keeps me up at night. Cause I feel that, uh, 
uh, that I, I actually feel I should have got the nod, but whatever. I mean, this was literally, this was, uh, this was actually seven years ago. Is that is impossible? Is that, is no. that right? Well, I was 40, I'm 42 now and I fought him at 35 and they, they were calling us old back then, you know? So it's kind of weird. Now, when I hear him talking now, I, a, a while ago, I saw there was a thing on uh, on Twitter. Uh, it's always it always goes back. To, everything always oh, goes yeah. back to Twitter. Yeah, those little right? fucking shit stirrers. <laughs> those little fucks. People ask about a grappling match between me and him, and I'm like, nah, you know, I you know, he said something like, oh, he'd have to lose a lot of weight. He took like a shot at my weight or something. So we went back and forth on Twitter a little bit, and this was this was probably a couple years ago or more. I don't even think I was forty yet, so maybe it was like three years ago. Uh, so, so, you know, it ended up, Dana doesn't, he's not digging it. He's not, not, I was entertaining it. I was entertaining. I go, all right, man, I'd come back. I was already retired. I'm like, oh, I'll come back to fight this guy. I'm like, I don't have to come back and fight one of these young guys. I can come back and smack around him, you know? But, you know, I talked to Dana about it. He wasn't digging it at all. What did he say? He wasn't, he feels no need for it. He thinks that it's, he doesn't like, he doesn't like, not a freak show, but he thinks you should only be in it. Like if you're fighting for the like, nah, he doesn't like the special made up fights. Like, you know what I mean? Like a special featured fight. Yeah, like some no, of the organizations no. that he thinks it's, you know, it gets kind of like, you're not going to be the guys that you were type. I think, look, how was he gentle with you? And he said, no, that? no, no, Dane is cool. Dane is cool with me. He wasn't being a dick. <laughs> no, I'm sure he but, wasn't. He and I'm it? not the type to beg for a fight. So it's like, you know, and, and then I saw Matt Hughes, I saw Matt Hughes when I was cornering Ally Aquinta and we were in the training room and it was like a day or two before. And he was the day with Robbie Lawler or somebody. And I, listen, when I see the guy, he's always, he's got that, you know, whatever, that fake attitude. I don't like, I mean, there's no reason for me to talk to the guy. He's the fake what? He has that fake attitude of just always tries to be nice to me, but I know he doesn't like me. So why, I don't even want to talk to you. We don't have to talk. There's no reason for us to talk. Right. So I see him and this is after we had that Twitter thing and he's like, hey, hey champ. <laughs> Hi champ. And I'm like, oh fuck, I, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> so I get the guy and I'm like, yeah, I go, you know what? You know, and then this is after the Twitter thing when he had some stuff to say, I go, look, let's, let's have a talk. So I brought him in the other room and you know, he was very much like, look, look, you know, um, I, my way back in, into the US, the way I look at it, is my way back to the UFC is, is is through you and your and your way back is through me. Like he wants to, I think he wants to fight again. You know, is sure. what it is. He wasn't being. No, he look to my face. He's never going to be that guy. The, well, how old the, a guy is he? He's my age or a little older. So he's still looking to get back into the UFC. Still, I mean, listen, I'm listen, and I, Jimmy, I have this line where it's it, it's kind of a joke, but it's it's kind of true. Where I feel an aging fighter, you could compare it to an aging stripper. Where who the, it's sure. funny, it's kind of funny, and who wants to really who wants to see that? You know, at the end of the day, like um, it was bad enough for looking for the fight. I had to take my shirt off in one of the episodes to do the polar bear plunge. Hey, look, I'm going right now at 42. I'm looking to, I'm going for the looking good with the shirt on look. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't sure. want to fucking, yeah. you know, so it's a weird thing. So I have no desire to really fight again. I really don't. Not to mention, I'm on TRT where I'd have to get off that. Uh, there's a process to getting off that. You know what that is? The TRT? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, well, listen, it, it, it makes me, it, it's good. I'm not fighting. I never did this when I was fighting, but sure, I got not. tested. I was a little like, uh, a little sluggish. They tested me. I, my team was a little low, I guess, from all the training over the but years. But let me ask you, if you come off that, is that the one where if you come off, I know Chael was on something where if he came off it, it would have been a problem or there was an issue. Yeah, is, that, I, listen, is that the same stuff? It probably is because you got to, there's a process to doing it. So, so anyway, long story short, man. Listen, Wait, what happens if you come off it? Did you get I, like mal- mal- No, 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 you don't one? get, no, nothing like that. Oh. I think there's a way to, 
I'm all There's panicky. a way to get off it, though. You don't just go cold turkey with getting off. Uh, maybe I'm thinking, I don't want to throw, I don't want to mention I just belched. I, I apologize. It's okay. But, um, You're a man. That's what men do. Men do you that. You fight, you belch. That's right. I pull, ask polite questions. It's true. Pull my finger. No, I'm only kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to celebrate. And that's not your finger. My gas. <laughs> that's not your finger. <laughs> get out of my you ear. You really are a creep. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, where was I? So listen, I don't know. My plate is full. I'm not taking a shot. It's not a fat joke right. at myself. I'm not taking a pun at myself. But uh, like, dude, I'm, I'm enjoying this little you venture we're doing here um do i i i, I feel secure with my my career like i'm not looking to get back in there or anything well I does just, matt I have just, the same type of career you i, I don't I, i've only well, met matt once now, I don't know matt, yeah, matt right now has like a like some kind of fake job with the ufc we're gonna find out this is really unfiltered right now you guys better not cut that out you fucks i see chris shaking his head hey you better leave that in now nah, he's got a job with the ufc where i don't even know what the fuck he does i heard it five times and i still don't know he like he deals what does he do what is his uh, chris the producer look up what matt Hughes does in the ufc please you're our guy to go to say so he has some kind of job where he's i don't know he gets paid to really whatever i don't know what he's doing but he guy maybe he's bored i don't know but it's kind of odd that the guy wants to fight a guy that see the thing is this when we fought i got even though i didn't get the w this guy did not think i belonged there with him oh he even said it he'll be like look man that's i it, pff, wrestling he thought he'd kill me with the wrestling he thought i didn't belong in the same octagon with him and one of the things that stands out to me in that fight that i really remember and it's going to always stay with me and i love it is that uh leading up to that leading up to that he goes uh and this stands out because i was watching it the week of and i was you know i was almost on weight i was in vegas and it was leading up and i was watching a countdown special or something and he said to me he goes you know matt sir with all the stuff he talked he's going to look across the cage when he sees me get in that cage he's going to look in my eyes and he's going to think oh i made i made a mistake dude let me tell you how you could not have been more wrong with a statement there's no when he walked into that cage i was looking through him he looked away when they brought us into the center to lock eyes he knew. He knew by looking into my eyes. All right, guy. Listen, I talked it. I said some stuff, but do you you know what you're in for. Does does the look in the eye? And I've heard different things from different fighters. I've heard George Foreman talk about it. And then you look at a guy like Jose Aldo who always looks down. And is yeah. he I don't think he's afraid. What what is the psychology it's, behind it, that? Now listen, it doesn't matter. You don't have to stare down your opponents. It, it it means nothing. You don't have to be a macho idiot. It's not about that. It's more of the fact with me and this guy. The fact that he thought that I would be intimidated sure. from him is it was hysterical. To Has me. anyone ever intimidated you with a stare down? No, no. What no. what what type of an attitude might make you go? My, wow, this guy is really for no, real. No. Is there any kind I, of attitude? Well, at the end, of, at, at that point, when I'm ready to get into that cage, when I'm when I'm about to fight, I've been training. My my attitude is he's looking at me. I'm like, oh, this guy's in for it because this guy's got to fight. This guy's got a problem. This guy's got to fight me. This guy's got the problem. I don't right, got the problem. Okay. I don't look at it like, oh man, I got watch out for this or that. Matt Hughes, when I fought him, he got me in all the positions that he usually works guys over. He got a takedown where he ended up cross-eyed on me. He ended up on my back when I got out of that. Like I, I, I knew there's certain areas where I couldn't let him stay. I couldn't let him get certain like there's certain positions where he could really take advantage of, you know. So he, and and in the on the floor, if there's any bit of space with a good guy. That guy's getting out. So he sure. did a lot of holding with me on the floor. He ended up taking me down the cross side. I would rather give him my back, which I did, 
then let him be cross-eyed on me. Because the chance of him choking me from my... I, I escaped the back a thousand times. What's that mean, cross-eyed on you? Uh, when he's past my guard and laying across me, like okay. his chest on chest, he passed the guard, but he got past my between my legs, yeah. and he, it's, it's side control. Okay. So he's controlling me side, almost like a... It could be looking like a wrestling pin. It could okay. look like that. But there's plenty of ways to finish. He, he's used to... He gets guys crucifixed. Right. He gets the arms out, and he starts elbowing like he did the BJ Penn that time. And, you know, in half guard, he gets Kimura's like he did to... Um, uh, Joe Riggs. He's, so he's, he's a dangerous he's guy. He's very dangerous situation. on top. But he did nothing to me in any positions on the floor. And he got the best position. Did nothing. I escaped everything. Uh, the third round when he got me down, he was in jeopardy. His limbs were in jeopardy the second night we hit the mat. I was attacking his shoulder with an omoplata, which is a shoulder lock that could I could break his leg, uh, his shoulder. And when I got out, I, I was, listen, I feel very secure with that fight. Um, I moved on to the next chapter of my life. Here I am with you. I'm doing my thing. Dana White looking for a fight. Plug, plug. You can see that on YouTube. <laughs> in my but listen, I'm living the dream. I got my kids. I got my schools. I'm, so I'm you're not looking happy. to come back in. I'm definitely not looking to come back. If it was something that like uh, the, the UFC wasn't. I mean, I, listen, I'm 42. I don't know. I, I don't think there's really, you know. Do you think with him or any fighter that kind of wants to get back in, that even though you might know it's a tough road or an impossible road, like it's just it's probably so hard for you guys to give up that that competition that like building up to the fight like that's a whole lifestyle and then let's like, say baseball players that retire it's, it's not the swinging the bat no. that they miss it's the fucking going with the team and the whole thing around it a hundred percent a hundred percent and i understand that i really do but you need in your life you need to challenge yourself and you need to like it life to me is about experiences i'm doing stuff on the show with dana uh i mean this whole thing me and you this is a new thing i never thought a million years i'd be doing something like this this and this is new and it's exciting to me i know you've been doing this for a little bit, maybe this it's not. Is as, fun, maybe though. it's not as exciting for you. It is. It's very. You, you know, me? we're becoming friends. We certainly are. You know, we're actually it, nude right now. Nobody <laughs> knows that we record <laughs> this nude. No, actually, we're in our me undies. To be honest with you, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing but our me undies, sipping beer elite, and uh, you know, listen. I mean, I. I my time fighting is, is a very special time for me. And I, I have no regrets. I have no regrets with my wins, with my losses. Uh, of course, there's certain technical things that, but then, you know, I pass that on to my students and my guys that are underneath me. I'm still involved with my fighters. You know, I got plenty of time. I'm with my kids when I'm not on the road, when I'm not here. So, I mean, I have my, my next chapter in my life could not be going better. And it's, it's super exciting. Maybe other people, I don't know what his life is like on the farm and whatever the hell he's doing with the UFC. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's not as happy in his, in his, in his post-fight career. And that's something that he's going to have to address with himself. Or, dude, you know, what about guys that knocked you unconscious like uh thiago what's his name alves thiago guy, alves yeah what happened guy, to him he went down the one 155 oh, i think okay. uh they were talking about him fighting uh raging out like quinter i'm not i gotta talk to al about that i don't know if that's that's signed or not or i haven't heard his name that. in a while thiago alves. i think he's going down the 155 okay. but uh i mean there's guys that like knocked him dead but yet he's he's hung up with me people think i'm hung up on him i'm not i'm only mentioning him because uh chris the producer asked me hey, what about this what about this rumor he's I one of those guys alves to, to get back to him for a second i remember watching yeah. him and it was when i hadn't been to many fights yeah. and he was I, he was like pacing back and forth like a yeah. pit bull well, i remember waiting like for the next a guy. pit bull and i'm just that's thinking like oh, is it really? yes that's his nickname I, the I, pit maybe bull. I, I probably knew Are you that fucking and bullshitting no, me no i probably knew that and didn't remember back and forth like a <laughs> Like a pit bull. Yeah, I probably remember that and and didn't like realize I remembered it. But I remember watching him do that and yeah. going like, I would really 
hate to have to be fucking fighting funny. the guy doing that. <laughs> but again, now the more I've been around fighters, yeah. the more you realize, like, okay, that that shit doesn't psych you guys out. Nah. For me, I'm easy I'm, to. I'm psyched out in a movie theater yeah. by a guy who's taller than me on his phone. You're funny. <laughs> Total yeah, pussy. Listen, everybody's taller than me. I know your pain, but uh, so you have no desire to fight Matthews. Uh, I mean, when you listen. As as a as a fighter, when you say Jimmy, you wise guy, it's hard for me to ever say if somebody says they want to fight you. It's really hard for me to say, oh no, I don't want to fight. I'm right. not that guy. If it made sense, it's almost like I almost didn't want to even bring it up because I know they the UFC doesn't want it. I know they don't. So it's almost like, and he knows that. So I mean, I, I think I just think it's, it's interesting that the guy he it's still kind of haunting him in a fight that that he got the W with. You know? Sometimes in life, I think people, all of us need that thing to push against. Yeah. Sometimes what keeps us going is whether it's a rivalry or an obstacle or something we have to get over. Like, I got to achieve this. I got to do this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, if that obstacle or that rivalry is removed oh, no, or it's yeah. put to bed, then you're just kind of sitting there looking at an open field like, all right, now what? Like, maybe that's what's hard for certain you're guys. Like, you're saying like Robert Baratheon, when he got the crown, he was better fighting for the crown than holding the crown. In Game of Thrones. Yeah, you can look at it that way. That's not exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> That's it's nothing like, oh, shit, am I a nerd? But seriously, I don't know. But that was his goal, to, to get that crown. And then he just wanted to just, just bang whores and, and get drunk every night. But listen, I'm to thinking, each his own. That's hey, Robert Baratheon. I'm, I'm thinking more of, uh, who was it, Theon? Uh, was it uh, Greyjoy? Or <laughs> Theon was this cock. Yeah, I know. Apparently it was a big one too and they lopped it off. Oh, uh, that Ramsey's a tough character. And then Ramsey's <laughs> eating the sausage. <laughs> Cuts his dick off. And he's like, oh, pork sausage. It's amazing. That's all I can think of when I watch that character. He has no dick. He I, has no dick. His dick is it, off. He has know, no dick. It, that sucks. It really... <laughs> and that's me in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right, we gotta wrap up we're getting the shut the fuck up signed by chris he's yeah, yeah. wrapping up and he's fucking holding I, his I thought he was having like a party he's put his finger yeah. around Woo-hoo. listen uh i'm excited hey, buddy tomorrow yes vegas fly out tomorrow and oh, uh wow and tomorrow so this podcast is coming out late and then tomorrow night we're going to be talking to well we're for thursdays we have uh bruce buffer oh my good friend bruce buffer i love bruce buffer and Great i love guy. he's a good podcast too so he, he's a really fun guy and he's a really re- he's a really responsible good broadcaster i was amazed Isn't at he? how good he was at doing a, a podcast because you know he's I, I i wouldn't have thought of him as a broadcaster and it's like well he's fucking guy can do anything i gotta listen to that he's really good i've really? done it and uh he sets it up like a real show, man. He he's, he knows what he's doing. Well, we have a lot of fights we're going to. Uh, obviously, UFC 200. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this trip, man. It's gonna be a blast. I still want Eddie Alvarez on the on the program. Oh, I want Eddie on the show. Maybe post fight. He might. I love that. Very possible. He could be the new champ. Yeah. Anything else before I belge again? No, I'm good, man. And uh, <laughs> we're going to three nights of fights. There's a lot of fights. I'm going to go watch your uh, your fight with Matt Hughes. Go watch that thing. I'm going to. Then watch my first fight with GSP. Don't watch. There's a re- there's a rumor about a rematch. Don't watch that. <laughs> Just the first one. That's the one. <laughs> that's it. Three matches of a mistake. All right. All well, right. thank you guys for listening. And uh, thank you, Misha Tate, for coming on. And also uh, to the uh, creators and producers of Game of Thrones, oh. David Benioff and Dan Weiss. That was Matt and I are legit fans of that show. Total geeks, man. Yeah. All right, man. My, I got to go change my MeUndies. I said Gendry and you said Game of Phones. We really are assholes. What the fuck are we talking about? Uh, but good times, Jimmy. Thank you, buddy. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. 
Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 